Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts, and my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. So this podcast is meant to take some of the stress out of home renovations so homeowners can learn as much as they can about the whole process before they get started. I also have a number of renovation stories from around the U.S. Today's episode is a renovation story with a slight twist in that I am interviewing a builder architect who was involved with the story, and he's not the homeowner, but it's a story of a mid-19th century Italianate historic house in historic Charleston, South Carolina, that needed to be lifted uh, eight and a half feet to get out of the flood zone. So this is a fascinating story to me. The audio isn't great in some parts, and I apologize for that, but I, I feel like it's a compelling story that I wanted you to hear. I have been wondering what is going to happen to um, you know various communities in Massachusetts that I have known and loved and are in the floodplain. So... Um, Anyway, it was interesting for me to hear what the process was for this very massive, um, impressive house. And I hope that you like it too. Uh, The guest today, his name is Buzz Morris, and he's Morris Construction's principal and licensed builder and architect, and he's been building homes since 1992. Featured in the periodical Carolina Compass, Buzz is referred to as Quote, moving at a New York pace with a Southern attitude. He shows a determination to be closely attached to what is traditional and honest and life-giving, unquote. So here's my conversation with Buzz. Well, I guess we're going to talk about One Water. We've raised a few houses, but um, One Water is the, uh, it's a historic home. It was built in 1855 or 1854. It took about 12 years to build it. It's one. It's a sister home. There's one next door just like it. Um, beautiful Italianate design. Um, and it was built on the ground, like most of the houses in Charleston were. And um, I don't remember exactly when all the hurricanes started. It was about six years or so ago. Uh, we had four floods in three years. Um, three of the four floods were hurricanes. Uh, some more severe than others, um, and one was a, a, uh, a rain that flooded downtown, which we get that a lot, but this particular rain was pretty was worse than usual. Um, so the homeowner, a uh, very nice man, he's from D.C., he's a doctor, uh, bought the house uh, maybe five or six years ago with his wife, and they moved down here, and... Um, uh, he just walked in after, I think it was after Irma, uh, a few months afterwards, he had, he had gotten our name from other neighbors and seen our trucks around and seen some of the other houses we'd raised. And he's a nice fellow. He just walks in, walks in the office, asked me how much it would cost to raise his house. You know, I said, well, um, I don't know. Let me see. And, uh, so of course I went on Google and saw that it was a, it was a, it's a a major structure. I mean, it's uh, you know, most of the houses downtown are wood, you know, hard of pine wood structures. Uh, this particular one, I'd say maybe 20, 30% of the homes are 
brick structures. Uh, you can kind of see brick behind me I'll, if you have video um, of this historic brick. Uh, so, you know, a house has been sitting there for 165, 170 years. Um, you know, it's not built to code by any means, and it's a uh, could, it could be a rickety, kind of a rickety structure, so there's there some nervous uh, thoughts about doing it, you know, uh, whether or not it would work. Um, so long story short, it took us a little over a year, maybe a year and a half to get the process done. All right, so when when this when this guy walked into your office, because you're, you're an architect and a builder, so you're both, you're a design build firm led by an architect. Y yes, I'm a a licensed architect and a, a builder, a licensed builder. Um, I used to do a lot more design work than I do today. I'm, I'm focusing on construction mostly these days. Um, I've got a good relationship with plenty of architects in town. Um, so this project, I did not do any um, design work. It was uh, the the lift was designed by uh, an architect in town. Okay. Um, I was only one of the we were responsible for one of the first lifts in Charleston. The Board of Architecture Review here, which is, I believe, the first one in the country, was had strict uh, rules about raising houses, and ultimately, the, the rule was they don't allow it. They don't. Um, they don't allow it in the in the town or in the, the city. District, yeah, they've got five different categories of structure. This particular one that that I lifted uh, on Water Street was a category two structure, which means it has significant value, uh, historic value. So in Charleston, they, in the historic district, is that in, in the flood zone, the whole historic district? Uh, no, no, not at all. Not the whole thing. The original peninsula of Charleston back to when they founded it was built on high land. So mm -hmm. uh, the office I'm sitting in right now on Broad Street, which is one of the major streets downtown, does not flood. Our biggest hurricane we've had in my lifetime was Hugo and uh, it didn't reach this area. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of structures in, in Charleston that do not flood period. Okay. So, but then the, his, like the historic district commission doesn't let them or doesn't allow historic structures to be raised up as opposed to raised yes. like R-A-Z-E-D, but R-A-I-S-E-D. Is there lifted, a different word? Yeah, lifted. lifted. We call it lifted. Okay. So, uh, well, right. Um, Again, there's five categories. A category one um, structure would not be allowed. A category two would not be allowed. A three would be questionable. Four, you can almost do anything with. A category four, that'd be a newer structure, has no real historic value. Category five is, you know, they don't even consider the BAR. Okay, so, so that's kind of interesting. So the are how many category one or two or three buildings are there that are in the flood zone? Um, category ones would be, again, would be, uh, a structure that is, uh, nationally recognized. It's a very, very important structure. So our, our post office, some of these other structures like the, uh, the Calhoun mansion, for example, that's obviously an important structure. What? The old exchange. Oh, the old exchange building. Um, that's a hugely important structure. Those aren't in the flood zone because those were built back in the 1600s, you know, uh, on the high land. Um, as far as I know, there aren't any real, I mean, they'll flood, some, they'll, some of them will flood underneath. Mm -hmm. So that's important that you know. 
Uh, they're, they're already built, kind of raised. Um, okay. But, yeah. So this man who came to you with his Italianate house, this Italian big Italianate yeah. house, that yeah. must have been a more recent house because it was built in the lower infill part? Yes, that's it, right. So what happened in Charleston and, you know, Boston, all these other uh, old cities is they, they filled in the land around the main peninsula where all the marsh was. This was built in the marsh, ultimately. It's built, believe it or not, on a wooden raft. Uh, there's about five different yeah, there's about five different ways that they uh, would build a brick structure. The engineer thinks that this structure was about 1.2 million pounds, so you can mm. imagine how heavy it was. Wow, it's an inch brick wall, you know, three, four wides wide, very heavy. So what they did back then is they this particular structure is they built a raft underneath it, and that's it's literally a raft. They took uh, cypress wood uh, logs and uh, hewn them so they were round and then they uh put them in perpendicular to one another uh about five feet deep so and and what what it did was it, it it sunk down into the pluff mud it's basically floating on pluff mud believe it or not wow you know what pluff mud is mm, no is it mud <laughs> pluff mud is just a black mud down here it's a you know if you step in it you'll you'll sink to your knee wow you know, we have kind of like peat up here we have peat like that yeah probably similar to that yeah so this particular raft was about five feet deep, these, these round logs uh, perpendicular to one another. And then on top of that, they put a, a two by 10 or two by 12 or two by 14 in, uh, inch uh, cypress deck on top of that. Does that make sense? It sits on top of that. So if you can imagine the footprint, you know, it's roughly 40 feet wide by 60 feet long. So the first raft would be, you know, vertical to that structure or to that footprint. The second raft on top of that will be perpendicular and then goes vertical perpendicular until it quits sinking. That makes sense? Isn't no, it makes zero sense to me, but that's very <laughs> fascinating. So, yeah. uh, wow. Okay. So it's, it's not even, they're not connected. They're just like the weight of the building is holding it all in place. So then that must've been really hard to lift up. So I'm really curious to know how that happened. Okay. Anyway, so then they would, uh, the masons would start, you know, there's no real foundation. The mason would start uh, with the walls, this main structure around the perimeter and inside, uh, they would start on the raft and it would start sinking and continue to sink until it quit. <laughs> so I want to say the brick was probably four or five feet deep. In other words, the raft sunk down about four or five feet deep and the brick is up, if you can imagine, four or five feet deep before they even start the first floor. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's no basement. Or make the crawl space. Yeah. But yeah. then in the crawl space, is it always water? Yeah. There's a lot of it. Not always. Underneath the... Yeah. So wow. that's one of the problems we had to deal with. Uh, the water table was right near surface. It's maybe foot and a half, two feet below surface. Mm. So they had built up over time. There's actually somebody had poured a concrete slab under the house to try to help mitigate the, the water problems. So we had to remove that. So anyway, they built the structure. So what we had to do is this is how the, you know, the architecture side of me helped on this particular project because I helped the engineer design a temporary support system that goes under this structure, this five by five by 18 inch thick slabs of concrete, you know, full of rebar. Each, each of those pads had five uh, helical piers that went down to the marl. You know, helical piers, a pier, it's a, it's a uh, steel tube basically that they twist into the ground until mm -hmm. they hit hard, you know, marl. And around the perimeter of that is a concrete skin. 
if that makes sense. They, they pour jitcrete around it as it goes down, and it creates basically a post. So if you can imagine, that was a lot of work to do underneath the house, which, you know, that's four feet over your head. I mean, you know, they've got a four-foot crawl space. They're, they're twisting that in. Mm. It's a heck of a job. And we're dealing with water the whole time. Yeah. Continually sumping out water. So we go to the job site to be full of water, and we have to sump it out before we can start. So that I did not foresee that those 15 footings being put in. Um, so that obviously cost a little more than we expected the project to cost. Uh, took us probably eight months to get all that work done. Wow. To get all of those footings in? Yeah. Um, you know, there are times when it's raining or there, you know, we couldn't work. We go weeks with them when we couldn't work. Mm. for various reasons but yeah it took about eight, eight months to get that in and get started on on the actual lift but you know another problem down here is there's no site i mean we had a driveway on the right hand side and a, and a minor minor little courtyard in the back so the, the logistics of getting equipment in and out and working was 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 tough yeah so this sounds all this sounds like a pretty overwhelming project already. So then, then yes. what happened? Once you got the well, the footings in. Yes. Once we poured the footings, uh, we put an inch and a half uh, steel plate on top of each one. And then I called uh, actually a remarkable company. It's called Wolf. And they're, they're from uh, Philadelphia. And uh, I, I wasn't going to let any old house mover do this job. They worked on another house with me. And I was very impressed with this company. Very professional. They know what they're doing. They, if you go on their website, they've done some incredible lifts. Um, they've done some amazing things that you couldn't imagine could be done, <laughs> mm. uh, moving structures and lifting them. So I wanted the best, and I felt like that we, you know, we got the best. So they came in, they put in, um, so if you can imagine, if you're looking at the front of the house, we put in 15 of these support temporary support systems or, or slabs, uh, one down the center, longitudinally down the center, one row of five on the right, another row of five, and on the left, another row of five. And all that was designed and figured out beforehand and coordinated with Wolf and the engineer, structural engineer. We had many engineers. We had the structural, we had a soils engineer. We had a, an engineer that handled the uh, design and the slabs, all that stuff. So hmm. a lot going on in that eight months. So anyway, Wolf came in, uh, they put in 16 inch thick steel main supports down those three longitudinal lines, you know, directly over the slabs. And they put in, I want to say 32, what I call tertiary or secondary 12 inch I-beams um, every three feet. So if you can imagine what's holding this structure is every three feet, those 12 inch I-beams are supporting the brick. Does that make sense on either side? Yes. Can you vision, I, I vision can, that? I can imagine that, and I can yeah. I can imagine it. I don't right. believe it. <laughs> well, I got photographs I can send you later. I mean, I believe you. I'm not saying I don't believe yeah. you, but I mean, it's hard to it's just hard to believe that's that you're doing this project. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously, the, the the house must have flooded pretty frequently. Yes, it did. Uh, it flooded. It flooded in three of those four floods. So mm -hmm. in the, in three years, it flooded three times. So imagine, I mean, you're talking about a, you know, Charleston's a, uh, the historic district's a, it's a very high end district. A lot of, a lot of big money down here. The house is worth a lot of money, costs a lot of money to raise it, but it's worth it because, 
you know, we've, we're, we're not only preserving the historic structure that's important to our, you know, our town, but we're uh, saving the value of the, of the home. I mean, it's, it's worth every nickel in my book. Right, right. So back to yes. the story. So then you had yeah. all these I-beams underneath. Yes. So that, that, that structure is underneath. Um, everything's secure at that point. And uh, what we do is, believe it or not, we, we have 30, hold on, 15 times two, 30 uh, toe jacks that go in and each toe jack has a hydraulic line that goes to a you know a, um, a machine that, ha- that basically jacks the hydraulic jacks it's, you know it's a pump and it jacks it mm-hmm. so kind of interesting what they have to do is they each at each point all 15 points they a man's under the house and another man uh, and, I, and i had uh yaman wolf he's the owner I, I had him come and do the work i'm like i'm gonna have you lift this thing you know this is important thing for us so he, he actually came and, and and ran the lifting physical lifting part of the project what he would do is he turned the two he would turn the machine on and the, you know the pumps running and he would supply the hydraulic uh pressure to the two pumps at say the front right corner and the man underneath would would visually inspect it until it started to lift if you can imagine so mm. you would see uh, it would see movement and he would tell him to shut it down. And let's say that front right corner is very heavy because it's where if you can imagine the two walls coming in, it's a heavy corner. Maybe there's 5,500 pounds per square inch pressure needed for that corner. And then they move to the one behind it and one behind it and one behind it. And in the back, it's a wood structure, so it's not as heavy. So the guy, you know, he's under there inspecting. Maybe it takes 1,200 pounds per square foot to raise that. So each wow. one has its own pressure point to raise, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's this, pretty complicated. It is. And they lock, they lock down every one. So all 30 jacks are running their exact pressure that they, you know, designate. Next day, they come out and he hits the main switch and they go up eight inches. Just, I mean, just like right in front of your eyes. Now, you know, the, the initial lift where they call the brake point. You know the break point or the break the strike line it forms its own strike line so it, it breaks where it wants to which is typically in line hmm. you know where the steel of the leap the steel's all installed you know uh on, on the same plane so it breaks generally along that line if that makes sense so once they get it up three feet uh it takes them a, a, a good day day and a half to get up the three feet because the men have to scurry underneath and this and that and they're using these those toe jacks once they get over three feet you know, now that it's high enough, they can get going a lot quicker. So the rest of the lift only took about another day and a half. Hmm. We lifted the structure eight and a half feet in the air. Typically what happens with a brick structure is you have to, there's no wet. So a wood structure, what what you do is you would raise it up a foot, maybe two feet higher than you, than it's going to stay. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you wanted if you wanted the house to be eight feet higher than its original level, we'd raise it ten feet. That gives us room to work underneath, get the new things in, new piers, all that stuff. And then you come back and you and you drop the house back on that pier or on the footings and the and piers, and um, that's an easy process. The wood structure, you know, with a brick, you can't do that for obvious reasons. Because the brick, like I, you know, mentioned the strike line, it's very rough. You know, mm. 160, 170 year old bricks. Some wow. of the brick are breaking. Some of the mortars breaking. It's you know, it's a it's a rough process. So, yeah. What we ultimately came up with was to shotcrete. You know, we put in the grade beams. We built up the walls, and we shotcreted the structure underneath to the brick. So, if you can imagine, we sprayed in the concrete to, to 
kind of marry the structure underneath to the historic fabric, if that makes sense. Well, and, and you had to raise it eight feet into the air. Eight and a half, yeah. Eight, eight and a half. half. And then, yeah. so, but its neighbors were not raised. So how does no. that... It's, this is interesting. Next door, the, the sister house, you know, I mentioned there's a sister house. On the right is uh, Three Water Street. A friend of mine owns that. And he got flooded as many times as well. So he called me and asked me. His, his, his kind of interesting little study, and we're going to do a little write-up on it. But on the left, we're raising the house above floodplain. On the right, we're putting in a flood wall. <laughs> so mm. we're going to... Yeah, during a hurricane or if a hurricane's coming, he's going to install a wall. Uh, it's built in it, in Italy. Uh, it's a technology they came up with in Venice for obvious reasons. And we put in a gray beam there with sheet piles underneath, and then a embedded down in the wall in that gray beam are these pieces that you you pop up and there's a female piece and you drop the um, the steel post down into that, and then you create and then you uh, put in the little. You've probably seen them. I bet they have them up there uh, in front of windows and things and flood zones, for, especially for commercial. Hmm, no, I haven't, I haven't seen those. Well, it's an aluminum. It's like a two by eight aluminum board almost, you know, that's five or six feet long. And they slide down in between each post and they huh. have ga uh, gaskets and it's and it's uh, waterproof. And, it, and it, you know, it, it holds the water back. Wow. So, yeah, they're doing that in Venice. So anyway, he, you know, this is a much cheaper method than raising it, but it's, you know, it could be a faulty method in, in terms of, uh, you know, will it work? Will the water go over it? That kind of thing. So kind of an where, interesting little side note. Yeah. Well, where does it, maybe I'm not picturing it correctly, but where does the water end? So where does the wall end? Because if the water, is it around yeah. the whole house or is, does um, it? Well, these again, these are brick structures with uh, stucco on them. I didn't mention that, but they have stucco on them. So the owner, so uh, if you can imagine, again, this is a, a dense neighborhood. So down his east side is an old historic wall, a brick wall. On the south side is another wall. Then from that south side, which is the back of his house, to his house, we, we built a wall, if you can imagine, this, 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 this structure. So we're relying on the on the east wall and the south wall or the rear wall, the historic wall, to hold the water back. Is it going to do it? I don't know, <laughs> but we'll find out. Water's water's a hard uh, a hard a thing to fight. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical about it. I mean, you know, I'm not sure it's going to work. I kind of imagine the old English wooden ships where the you know they're constantly pumping water out because this water's pouring into these old ships. Imagine the same thing will happen to him. He'll have to some pump out as, as he goes. He'll mm. hold back flood. His theory is, um, and he's correct because he's lived there for a long time, is that the water comes in and pretty quickly it moves back out, you know, these hurricanes. Yeah. You get this flood, this, this tidal flood, it'll, it'll, it'll come up the street, it'll be two feet in the street, it'll come into the houses, and then it, it goes back out pretty quick, typically. It's a six-hour flood something like that so he thinks yeah. he can fight it <laughs> with this wall so how do they so you move the whole house up and then they must cover yeah. the i mean i know that fema has rules about what you're allowed to have underneath in the flood yes. zone yes so what does it look like now I'm, I'm hoping you can send me some photos maybe oh absolutely well underneath it now we have a um a pervious concrete deck or uh, slab mm. 
Uh, so, you know, you can pour water into it. It goes right through. And then under that's gravel. There's a, there's a ton of gravel, and we had to put on the site just to be able to run machinery in there because that pluff mud doesn't react very well to treads and tires, you know. So no, I can imagine. Off. It doesn't. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, so, and then you've got the front of the house is, is really pretty. The architect did a great job designing. There's a central entry onto the landing, and then there's stairs that go up to the right and to the left. You know, one stair to the right goes to the piazza, the one to the left goes to the main door. So it's a, it's a very attractive design. It's really the type of thing you'd see up there in Boston, and like those brownstones, that mm -hmm. type of entry. Yeah. So it really looks good. She, she did a great job. And then on the piazza side, which is the porch on the on the uh, west side of the house, uh, we just have piers going down, and we have a uh, uh, shading material under that. And then on the back and the east side is just a wall. Do you think everybody around your area is going to start doing the same thing? Yeah, I, um, I think there's probably well, it's slowing down right now. You know, we haven't had a hurricane in a couple of years. I mean, last year we had some threats. But we haven't really had any flooding or hurricanes, so things have slowed down. But I, I want to say, I know last year there was about 50 or so permits in in Charleston for raising houses. Mm. I, I'll bet you most of those have been raised. Uh, again, nothing to this level of work. Uh, no Category 2 structures. A lot of them are Category 3 or 4. But, uh, what's called a Charleston single home, which is a little uh, wooden home. Mm-hmm. Those are going up all, all over the place. Yeah. These bigger structures are, aren't going up. So when is it really worth worth it to do that? I mean, I guess having a flood every year, of course, Yeah, seems obvious, um, but... Right, right. Again, you know, we had that event where we had four floods in three years. That'll, just, that'll mess with a homeowner. I mean, um, I've seen the bad psychologically to have water in your house, and uh, it makes people do it. And it makes sense down here because the property values are so high. Yeah. So 20% of the value of the property on raising it, you'll get it back. So you think in areas, low-lying areas that aren't as wealthy, what do you think yeah. is going to happen to those? They're just going to get flooded every couple yeah. of years until people move? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's it. There's no, it's, it costs too much money. Do you mind? Do you mind if I ask you how how much roughly roughly be like? It seems like that's just going to be a lot of money. What you described to me. Yeah. Uh, well, this particular house was was very costly. There's a wooden structure I did on Council Street. It was the first one raised in Charleston. It you know that that particular one I want to say was about twenty percent of the value of the home. So it was about four hundred grand, something like that. Hmm. Four to five. Um, so you can imagine how expensive this other one was. Yeah, I'm I can only imagine. I don't house. even want to imagine, but I'm sure it's a very beautiful house. So maybe well, it's gorgeous. You know. Yeah. Oh uh, well, but you know, again, it's uh, it's just economy of scale. Yeah. A house is worth X amount of money. It's worth X amount of money to raise it. It's it's, it's a tedious thing. It's not not any not just any old homeowner wants to do it. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. I do wonder what's going to happen with all of the. Um, yeah, all of the coastal homes up here in New England, and of course really? along the whole coast. Well, there's, yeah, yeah, there there are lots of them, and the whole, as I was saying before, the whole area in Nantucket, all of that right. needs to be raised. And what's that all going to end up looking like? I mean, obviously, it changes the, it changes, it changes everything. I don't know. Just the whole thought is overwhelming, actually, about what's what's life going to be like living in those areas if they flood that often and well, a little bit again, much. you know, here 
here's a little microcosm of that, you know, in Charleston. Originally, like I said, there was a lot of resistance to raising homes and then it just became, it became politically evident that it's going to happen. Uh, homeowners were upset. The whole town was expected it to happen. So the, uh, you know, the mayor and everybody got behind it. And I was actually one of the guys tasked with figuring out, you know, how are we going to do this? What's the design? What are some of the design criteria that the BAR is going to allow? Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want they didn't want these homes to look like beach houses, you know, on stilts. Yeah, they wanted to make sure they still they still held had that architectural integrity that it had before. You understand as an architect. So, yeah. So you know there was a good year or so that all that stuff was up in the air. You know, how are we going to do it? How are we going to allow it to happen? Where are we going to allow it to happen? What are we going to you know what what's the design criteria behind it now? So now now you can go get it approved almost like like it's nothing. So, mm. Well, that's yeah. great. So that's great to have that planning in place. So Absolutely. It's all in place. Yeah. Everybody knows what to expect. Right. I hope that was helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I think that's amazing. If you go on my website and see the video of it, actually a time-lapse video Very of cool. it we raised that week we raised it. Um, it's really pretty neat. And now that it's done, we're going to edit the thing and show the finished product on the video. But right now it's the, it's the early video, but you can see it. Well, that's awesome. It seems like yeah. you're going to be busy for a while, even if you did nothing else besides raising houses. Yeah, you'd think so. But like I said, it's slowing down right now, but you know, another hurricane might get a few more phone calls. I hate well, to say it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's right. Well, right. thank you for well, sharing your story. It's really sure, absolutely. scary um, and fascinating and everything. I know. Yeah, it's unfortunate it has to happen, but um, I, you know we're winning awards with this project, by the way. I um, bet. Historic, historic Charleston has given us awards. Preservation Society has. The state uh, historic foundation has given us some awards. I mean, we're really breaking ground down here with that house. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Anyway. Well, good. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, and good luck down there. I hope. I hope. Okay. I hope I hope there's not too much flooding or just enough or whatever, however you want to look at that. <laughs> well, it is what it is, right? Right. Thanks again to Buzz for sharing that story. And thank you for listening. There are links to all sorts of things we discussed in this episode in the show notes. In the episode enhancements, you'll find some photos and other information. You don't want to miss that. You could sign up to get it delivered directly to your inbox if you sign up for my newsletter and a link to that is in the show notes. If you have any ideas for episodes or you want to be a guest, please email me at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Any other feedback you have is always greatly appreciated and I do love hearing from you. So thank you to everybody who has written and also thank you so much to everybody who's written a review and left a rating, which you could do wherever you get your podcasts. And that really helps my um, show be found, I guess. So anyway, I really do appreciate that support. On Facebook, you could get in touch with me there, Talking Home Renovations. Also on Instagram, Talking Home Renovations. TikTok, I am the House Maven. Twitter, I am Talking Home Reno. And Clubhouse, I don't know, are you all on Clubhouse? I have a, a room now of... Well, not really of my own because I'm co-moderating on Monday nights starting August 23rd. 
um, 6 p.m. Eastern in the House Club with Mona Ying Reeves of Kickstart House. She and I will be co-moderating a room about a half hour room about home renovations and it's going to have a varying subject matter, but join us there. It'll be fun to talk. Uh, yeah, I also have a couple other classes coming up. What to expect during your home renovation. Also August 23rd, it's going to be a busy night. That's going to be 7.30 to 8.30 PM Eastern time. And I also have a mastermind group for homeowners starting August 31st. And the idea behind that is that if you're going through this, it's kind of like you have this group of cohorts going through it at the same time. So you can, um, you know, you can talk about your problems there and ask questions and I'll be there um, helping people. Anyway, if you're interested in either the class or the mastermind, um, again, email me. And also, if you're in Massachusetts and you have design questions that like, maybe you want a second set of eyes on, you can, um, you can get me to, you can sign up for an hour of Ask an Architect Design Helpline. So anyway, check out my um, architecture website, which is in the show notes for more information on that. If you leave a rating and review and subscribe, that would be so awesome. And send this episode to a friend if you think they would get something out of it. Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is now a part of Gable Media, which is the most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet. So check out the podcast and the video channels that are a part of that network at gablemedia.com. So that's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. Well, thanks for listening, and until next time, take care.